0: It's Thierry O'Reilly, He scored. He scored for Arsenal in the
1: bottom That's a shoving. Giroud played it in the middle. Ahead again. And Ramsey arriving, and Arsenal are back in front. Scores in the FA Cup final again, just as he did. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. It's been an unbelievable January. We've swept away Nottingham Forest emphatically away in the FA Cup. We've managed to just slip past the european champions they're well, not european champions but the very successful premier league and previously european champions liverpool and then of course we swept away burnley at home and 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 now i am sitting in my flat uh, in a very rainy finsbury park uh, thinking about how wonderful this has been whilst the arsenal team are in dubai i'm sure feeling very sad for themselves in a very very hot and hostile environment, um, and here to enjoy the wonderful general with me is is Matt. How you doing, mate?
0: Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks. Um, what 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 a month it's been. Um, I, mm. I can't believe how well we've played and how how well it's been going for Arsenal. And they're like, I mean, I've even forgot that it's the transfer window because the team have been performing so
1: well. Oh, we, it's clear. It's very clear that from like the last few weeks that that our squad is. We have depth, Yeah, we have sensible senior players And I can't think of any positions that we're crying out for new players Yeah, I mean, it's not like every
0: position is is doing really, really well I'm really
1: happy Mm. and excited about where this team is
0: going Mm
1: -hmm, Absolutely, I'm glad, I'm glad And look, it's just, it's depressing to even joke about, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's it's been a tough one yeah, I guess we
0: can't um, we can't pretend that it's all going swimmingly at the moment. And um, ju- just just as we started recording, um, one mm. of the players that um, midfield players that we linked at, uh, linked with Bruno Gimorez from Leon. Yeah. Um, Newcastle have bid forty million for him, so that would be no, great. They to see- yeah, they have. <laughs> so um, oh, man. yeah, so that 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 would be amazing um, to see the player that we really, really, really want um, in midfield go to uh, not arrive but go to another Premier League club
1: yeah well another team looking to you know increase their their status in the league and that's you know whilst Newcastle doing it a slightly different way like you know that, that is something we're trying to do and they've got the cash to to splash and if anything it kind of is a bit more of an exaggerated version of the whole Vlahovic situation isn't it which I'm sure we'll get onto in the sense that yeah, it's it's the team with the cash in a less good situation i.e. Newcastle and um, or would have been Arsenal in the Juventus situation, and then the team that it would make more sense, in a footballing sense, to go to, and that is obviously Juventus and then Arsenal in the Newcastle situation. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that is really interesting. I mean, we'll get onto that. I mean, there's lots and lots of questions about transfers, and that is news. <laughs> so uh, that is very interesting. But um, and, and, and to be honest, like it's it, next week because there's no game for a while. Got a couple of weeks off. Yeah, the players are living it up in Dubai. I think I'm gonna do if you fancy joining, doing like a little roundup um, of like January and where we are, what this means to the next games. I think we've got quite a favourable next couple of games and very difficult next after that, I can't quite think. And then um, we start with Wolves away and things like that. But it, And so I wanted to focus on Burnley today, yeah. and perhaps a bit of Liverpool as well. But it is actually quite difficult um, to, to go through Burnley without using the rest of January as more of like an anchor. Yeah. Which has been a bit of a bit quite consistent throughout our season, really. I don't know if you've thought the same, but each end of what what feels like a batch tends to round up or um, compartmentalise the, the 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 previous run of games. Um, yeah. So let, let's let's take Burnley. You know, we, we've come into it leggy. We've we've come into it from a very big disappointment, um, having not gone through against Liverpool and. Putting out a bit of a spattering of a performance. So we needed a bit of an energy and a bit of a kick. And what what was your overall take in the game and, and, and what did you think of it beforehand? Uh, I mean,. Beforehand, I thought it would be a, game, a tough game because watching Liv- the
0: Liverpool game, I could tell that it was going to be tough because we were we were very tired in that game. I, I thought mm. Liverpool controlled the game very well, and I think if we were on the sort of same fitness as where we were at the start of the month, I think we would have given them a real game. But we started well for twenty minutes. And then we just faded after that, so it, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty evident that the team was leggy, and they and they. It, it was pretty uh, evident that after these two games that they needed to break a lot, and mm. I think that the evidence in that was, uh, especially with, with uh, the the lack of like the slow build up as well. I think that was partly because instead of Ben White as centre back, we had Rob Holding and. Bless his heart, mm. Rob. Um, he's not the best passer. He's not the he's quickest on the ball. And when you're missing uh, Thomas Party and uh, Granite Jacker as well, two players who can progress the ball a bit quicker, mm. th- then it's, it's obviously going to contribute to a slow build-up. It it reminded me a lot of games under Arteta last season and we've improved so much this season but it reminded me a lot of a a game, like games last season where we would struggle, we would just keep passing it, it, going out to the full backs and and such Mm. because we couldn't go through the middle and and it it was difficult because when you're tired as well and you're trying to get past the defence that's uh, basically 10 10 men behind the ball, Uh, the the wingers, Martinelli and Saka again Getting doubled up on every every time, it's very difficult for that sort of um, game to go your way, especially when you're tired. So mm. I think I think the number one thing to take from the game was that they were leggy. It's not an excuse. We still should have won this game. I think we had enough chances to win the game. Burnley did not. Mm. Uh, but it's it's still a reason why that performance was not as as crisp as we had liked, and I guess it goes back to the fact as well that when you're not as crisp uh, or not as match sharp as you would want, you need that game winner, and we just don't have that at the
1: moment. Yeah, it, it, we were crying out for it. it. We just needed that match winner. But I, I'll be honest with you, like I, it, whilst. Like I think this result and this performance really is framed by the preceding month, because yeah. if I took this game in isolation, mm-hmm. right, it, I didn't. I don't think I learned anything new from the game. Everything I kind of thought would happen in terms of an in-game experience, of course, yeah. not the result, happened. I, I thought this was going to be. Uh, a slog of a bit of a Norwich when we were at home and it just would be a scrappy goal it would be 1-0 or maybe a 2-0 coming into the last minute but it would be close but not really close like they wouldn't really threaten it would be a bit of a a depleted team coming off the back of a a very difficult run and everyone would be leggy I think we'd have created and we'd have had our chances and it would have taken a a, a bit of a scrappy goal and you know we, we did have our chances you know I was looking at the game um in in isolation and we had the same XG as we did against the Spurs game where we put three past them in the first half we did create shots albeit in patterns Uh, we created a lot of chances particularly in that 60 to 75th minute mark around the second half you know and it wasn't like awful I've definitely seen worse performances and definitely seen them this season particularly last season we just couldn't put it in the back of the net. And no matter how hard we tried, um, it, it just wasn't quite happening for us. And even when we look at someone like Lacazette, right, which, again, I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto in more detail, but y- yes, he missed his chance, and, 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 and that was, you know, awful. But I thought Lacazette had a good game. You know, he did some great things, and he did what Lacazette does. Like, we he, we didn't learn anything new about him. He doesn't really score that many goals. He barely scores a thing. But we've been praising him for doing what he has been doing against Burnley for the last few months because he's been great at winning free kicks, getting us up the field and turning players and building up play in different ways. And I I did think he did that, albeit not to his best, but I don't think anyone else was that great either. And it was just, it was really focused back to when you said, like, you know, last season it felt like we were so reliant on individual chances because there weren't too many coming that we would focus on so much. I think that's what happened with, with Lacazette in the end. So, but, and obviously if, if we come off the back of, I don't know, scoring a goal this season or at least beating Nottingham Forest or scoring at least one against Liverpool. Um, uh, you know, and just picking up a point, who was the last Premier League game? We had Man City because, you know, we love that game. We love that game. Like, that was one of the best games of the season. Some would say it was our best performance. We were somewhat robbed in some way, you know, some could argue. So it, it's not like it's been a terrible, terrible month, but it's just, you know, the, on the face of it, it's it's looked awful. And to cap it off, with a nil-nil against Burnley feels worse than it is, you know, And um, but it, it does leave you questioning <laughs> quite a number of things, and I think, really, to be honest, this game was lost, or, or not, it wasn't lost, it was, it was dried out, or hung up to dry by our senior players, Xhaka uh, and Party, and I think even Mikel Arteta to an extent, the way he managed the situation, he took a gamble and it didn't work, um, and then Lacazette missing a chance And I think the senior players did let us down in that, in that sense In very individual circumstances So um, I don't know what your thoughts are On, on how or where we lost this game or, or, or how you see it compared to the rest of the month really I mean In terms of how it was For the rest
0: of the month I think it's just It's sort of It's, it's meshed all into one And I think this game was the sort of boiling point for it I think the 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 Forest game, you can say, was disappointing. It obviously was, but you can take that out in isolation. If you go to a Carabao Cup final, we performed very well away from home against Liverpool. But the home game, mm. we we just weren't in there. Liverpool controlled that game really well. And then you obviously had the, um, the Burnley game, which we, we, we took a while to get into. And mm. it, it all meshes into one, and I think the the, the main thing, what I guess, was just the lack of depth, and also mm. having to rely on on players all month, basically, because that attacking four, well, attacking three players, So Martinelli, Saka, and Laka. Those those three basically played all the games this month, and they started really well against Manchester City, all three of them. But they obviously dropped off by the time we got to Burnley, and I'm I'm sure we'll talk about Lacazette in reference to this game as well. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, what didn't help as well is that with the lack of depth in midfield, no Jack and no Party, as we said, um, in some games, uh, it basically meant that Sambi Lokonga was on his own. He had to play with two more forward-thinking players in Odegaard and Smith-Rowe and I thought Odegaard's actually been really good the last two games, especially, he wasn't mm. wasn't really like. I don't, he didn't play at Anfield, but at, at home against Liverpool and against at home against Burnley, I thought he was very good. He, he he's a really good mm. signing. And I really like him. And but him and Smith Rowe are both forward-thinking players. They're not going to come back and be in a double pivot. And I also think it limited us in terms of Odegaard being further forward. I think he's much better closer to goal, closer to the box, uh, to connect with all those players for further forward. This way it allows Burnley to set up a bit easier and, mm. and in this game So there, there are a number of factors But I, I think the, the number one thing is what I said earlier is just fatigue I think they got to this point They done really well in December Usually in a tricky period And mm. they, they've just burnt out I think And hopefully this break there for them to go to Dubai Is going to really help them
1: yeah, I think it's welcome. It's it's definitely welcome. We need some opportunities to get our squad back. Um, like, like you say, you're looking at the bench and I think it's the preceding moments in the senior team that, yeah. that lost the game, but also the subsequent, you know, the direct consequence of that is ha- having a depleted bench. And we look at our options and we're like, right, we've got Eddie who can score a goal against slightly weaker opposition, which I think you'd have to say that Burnley are. Um, he's a bit of a fox in the box, great. But I mean, other than that, it was young, it was kids, um, kids and a goalkeeper, really. So it was tough, and it, it, I think you you do have to put that down to mismanagement of the squad. And again, that's why it's difficult to isolate this game without thinking about the rest of the month. But you do look at our transfer business, and I don't. I'm not saying anything Mate and Niles would have. If, got us the extra points i'm not saying he would have got us through against nottingham forest but having that extra senior player which he definitely is carries a lot of weight with it um and you know waiting the extra three weeks might have been valuable and you know other things like that it just feels like we didn't do our business early enough and the business we did do was outgoing and perhaps not smart not a blundering error but but certainly not smart and um i just wish like we knew AFCON was coming for the whole this whole time yeah. Part, and we knew what kind of players weren't playing. It, if I'm honest, I think one of the biggest blunders is that we haven't really heard too much about is the pretty much, um, like I knew I had his fitness issues, but the pretty much like uh, banishment of Sambi from the, from, from the starting team or even coming on at all from, from mm. his man of the match performance against Newcastle all, all the way up until January, which is considering you need a player of his quality who is great, to be hit the ground running in, in January and not playing beforehand and then expecting him to play all these games as a single pivot because Jack has gone and done a very Jacker thing, even though he was coming in injured and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, of course you're going to be suffering through the midfield and of course you've not done it. And I, this is where I think it was a little bit disappointing. You know, I, I, again, it's just, I think all of our chickens have come home to roost. Is that the phrase? Is that how they say it? Is, is yeah, yeah. And all that vibe? You, you, you've Fine. got it spot on, so <laughs> don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Good. Good. I mean, I mean, who, who who impressed you this game? Who who did you think looked good? And what did you think that you you learned from this game in particular? I
0: mean, impressive performances. I think. I think. I think. Like I mentioned, Martin Odegaard. I think it looked good. I think mm-hmm. he, he he was quite consistent. He looked like he always wanted to create something on the ball. And I think he's just someone who wanted to both be defensively secure and, and, and make Arsenal go further up the pitch, but also create something. It was a really big burden for him, but I thought he'd done it quite well. I also mm-hmm. think Emile Smith-Rowe, not in the first half, but in the second half, really started to get going. And I think he was another player who... I think, left with some credit because and I think it just shows how good I I think how good of a player he is because I think he's just such uh, an important player for the squad and Mm. he can just create moments and create magic and obviously the chance he created for Lacazette was all his own doing really and uh, by him just driving the ball forward Mm. Uh, but obviously and uh, that's where the, the change of him was a bit difficult but for the but for the rest, uh, I think it was just a bit of a bit of an average performance from most of them. Uh, I think a lot of them, again, like I said, I don't think they were too s- spectacular. Really, I think uh, it, it was just, uh, yeah, it was sort of like not a not a really wor- worked game from a lot of them. But the two I mentioned were were, were pretty, I thought, decent enough anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I like. I thought Mill um, Smith Rowe. It was. He he made me feel really happy again. And that sounds a bit silly, but like he had been, you know, left out of the team a little bit. Um, he had his fitness issues, and he has had historically quite a lot of fitness issues. So, just to see him running with the ball, letting his legs fly a little bit, and boy, when he mate, when he gets his angles right and he gets his balance right, that this mm. this kid is is next level, and it excites me just as much as Bukayo Saka does, and. You yeah. know, Saka, even though he had a relatively quiet game, um, he had a couple of moments where he got past the defender unbelievably well and cut in and did a shot and various things. And, you know, Mill Smith Rowe was the bright spark as well. I mean, he could, he could have easily made it 1 0. You know, another day, that unbelievable save from the corner uh, could, could have gone in because it was going against a few players. And, you know, Mill Smith Rowe really was at the heart of everything. And particularly in that, that phase where we really did look like we were going to push on the score, and you could tell the crowd felt that was going to happen. So that was a bit annoying. We didn't score, obviously. But I I think this guides us on to, I think, the most defining um, moment of the match, but also the most defining player, uh, I guess the most defining decision. So Smith rowe no, 75 minutes or whatever it may have been, comes off. Yeah. Right at the end of that wave of us attacking, attacking, attacking. Um, Eddie's warming up on the side. We're all thinking it's going to be Lacazette, who doesn't usually last 90 minutes anyway um, who has missed a couple of sitters and and it's Emile Smith-Rowe's number that comes up and I think everyone was was you know completely unfounded I don't know what you thought about that situation and how that turned the game
0: I, I, I actually sort of guessed that it would be Smith-Rowe that came off and not okay, Lacazette, that's but mm. I I sort of I, I I was gutted about it because I didn't want him to come off because like like we had said he had produced our best moment in the attacking sense and he was driving us forward and mm. if you were going to if you were going to change anything it was probably striker and just to get someone in the box but just to take Emil Smith Rowe off for Inketia and then ask
1: Inketia to do the same role as, as Smith Rowe was an odd one. Yeah, it made no sense to me, and I was just a bit like, "Do you remember the Alex Oxlade Chamberlain um, sub uh, against Man U? Uh, subs- yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, where
0: like, where where Arshavin came on and um, oh, the crowd booed." Um, I remember it vividly and mm. I think it I think it was Van Percy, wasn't it, in the
1: game. He was like, No, not him. Yeah. Like um, he even he he, he was up, annoyed. Just like, what is this? Yeah. It was like a what on earth are you doing moment, and don't get me wrong, I don't think it was dramatic as that, because Ox the Ox was having the game of his life, right? Mm. Yeah, and he's in the incons- inconsistent player to say the least. But Emil Smith Roker is is coming back to a bit of form, he's been in and out of the team, and suddenly we're having this 20 minutes where this guy is tearing it up, he's making everything happen and when Smith Rowe is on it, Smith Rowe is on it, and you could just sense. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we can look back at it. But it, you could sense that it was a bit like, oh, right, Eddie's coming on, okay, and we're losing Emil Smith Rowe has been the only one or one of the catalysts in why we've been so good for the last twenty minutes. Yeah, and nothing happened after that. It really was. It was dead. It was you know. It was it was flat. It was bland again. Um I, I, I must be honest and say that like I don't think Emil Smith sorry, I don't think Saka and Martin Lee were bad because I, I do think they were very good, but they are having to solve a different problem at the moment. They are marked men. You know, people have pricked their ears up and understood who this Arsenal team are and I think that's been relatively consistent with Arteta in the last um couple of years that we've had him, is that after a good run we do get scouted a bit and then struggle to find a solution to the next problem. And I don't think that's necessarily the issue now, I just because we're missing some of our players, but um the the fact is that when we are missing a few players, we are desperately looking for Saka and Martinelli um and asking them to do more than they would normally, and they're now being doubled up and they're having more problems to solve and you know, I think that's the it's the consequence of just being quite a good player and being heard about, you know. So when they're trying to have to sort of sparks and magic, it life is going to get very difficult for them.
0: Yeah, like uh, I, I uh, the, the uh, when Eddie and Ketika came on, and it's no disrespect to Eddie, I, I just don't think in terms of how he, he's not a Magics player. He's a a really good striker in terms of movement and finishing, and yeah. I know he's missed some big chances this season. But for the most part, he is a good finisher and he is a good. He's got some good movement in the box. Mm. What he is not is a player who will create something out of nothing. And that's sort of what we needed at that stage. And you could argue that we don't have that many players like that. I would argue mm. Saka, Martinelli and Emil Smith Rowe are all those players. And but Pepe. yeah, and Pepe as well, even and if it's like Yeah, even if it's a bit infrequent with Pepe, but is just, yeah, the, the, the sub is just something I, I won't understand I mean, I, I get the lack of options on the bench in terms of you you had five five Hayland mm-hmm. graduates on the bench, four of them haven't, haven't even played a minute of senior football, I get that it was difficult but couldn't you have taken off uh, like a centre, couldn't you have taken off Rob Holding, put Nuno Tavares on and then make sure that Tierney and and Tavares are really pushing and overlapping the wingers. Like, couldn't you have done that if you're going to bring Eddie and Ketty on? Why didn't you just bring him on for Lacazette, like, to fresh it up 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 front? It didn't really make sense. Mm. It, 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 the lack of difference makers is what's costing costing this team at the moment, and and unfortunately, sometimes that's the difference between top four and. Top six, mm. basically, and and is just a, a difference maker, and uh, we just don't have that at the moment.
1: No, I mean you look at who, who got late wins this this weekend, and what United did. I mean Spurs did, um, and who did they bring on? I mean what United had: Rashford and Cavani. Yeah, so um, they had Rashford, you know, Cavani, it's... Martial. So exactly, and they're they're the, they are difference makers, right? Mm. Um, Cavani and Rashford in particular are two devastating players on their day um, and Rashford with a point to prove, Cavani with uh, trying to get in the team and it's, you know, they go and win it one nearly, uh, and who do they play against? I can't even remember the stupid little <laughs> um, who do they play who do they beat? Who, who, who Man it? U? Yeah, was it Villa? Um, no, West Ham West Ham. Oh, West Ham, god yeah, I could have really done with that being a point as well but, yeah, um yeah, so so that's the difference. And uh, again, I, I'm, I'm not too sympathetic with the club in this scenario because it isn't injuries and it isn't um, it's not injuries, and it's not COVID that's stopping this, it's suspensions, it's lack of preparation for, uh, for Afcon. Um, and it's the transfer market I, I think you know and not just buys but, but but loans as we mentioned as well and and I think that's really left us short and it's a sort of a perfect cauldron of all these issues that have brought together a very difficult and very thin squad um, and you know we've come out the back of it and we've paid the price and look I don't think this is a forever problem I, I, I don't want to be too dramatic to be honest No. Um, we've had two Premier League games one was a Probably the performance of the season against the best team in the world. Um, we should have got more from it. We didn't. Fine, but we're a very proud fan base. We've had a difficult couple of cup games, obviously going out of both cups, and, and then we've had a, we got a point against Burnley, which is a bit disappointing. And again, with the framing, we're still in contention. We've got games in hand against um, Manchester United, and we can go ahead of them. We win our game of hand. Not to sound like Spurs fans, they do have, still have to win them, which is not going to be easy. But then, you know, we go ahead against a six-pointer against Spurs and anything can happen. And I feel good about the team when we have everyone back. The difficulty is having everyone back. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like, uh,
0: uh, the one the one thing I, I, uh, I, where COVID hasn't affected our squad, like, generally... But I do, I think it's affected our depth in terms of like w- uh, how fit th- those depth are, and obviously we we have had it tough because some of it is our own doing. We sent Maitland Niles out, and um, mm. we and obviously Afcon as well. Like uh, those players have gone party and and El um, Elneny and uh, Bamiang and Pepe, they've all gone. They're really good mm. um, options off the bench that we could have and we, we just didn't have. Like, imagine instead of uh, taking... Bringing Nketiah on, we could bring Pepe on. And Pepe may not have done anything. He, he's a, but at least that that was a better option than Eddie Inqetia, for oh, example. He's an yeah, he yeah. He, yeah. He, he, he's just an option. And this is where, like, this is where it's a bit tough to to sort of agree with what's going on in the transfer window. And we we all gave Eddie really good credit about with the summer, and he done incredibly well in terms of the players he brought in, so players that I think me, you, and a lot of the Arsenal fans doubted would be good, and they've all turned out so far, it's still early days, to be good signings, but he he's waited too long for this one. Like, if he gets a midfielder in on loan, like Artur, or if he brings in mm. a midfielder that we've been linked with, we, we already mentioned Bruno Guimaraes, Newcastle a bid for him. And uh, if we bring in a midfielder, it's too late because that, need wasn't as it's not as important as it was a couple of weeks ago um, no. with, because party's back now and Jack's suspension's gone and he's not like, injured or got Covid anymore so and and then obviously the striker thing the striker thing can help but again he's left it a long way into the window and we're crying out for a striker so uh, especially after the,
1: the Lacazette miss I guess yeah exactly um <laughs> And, you know, on that midfielder thing, I mean, looking at this now for Guimaraes, and it's like, if we do end up going for Bruno Guimaraes, then why on earth have we waited until Newcastle to make a move when we so desperately needed it earlier? Um, Yeah. You know, because the the time was to let this person have January and then be either rotated or, you know, even taken over Xhaka. But it's very disappointing. And we can talk about that in a moment, I suppose. But... You know frustrating frustrating and and one thing and a more positive note um that we obviously were missing from this game is i think it's performances like this where it underlines just how important Tommy yasu is to this team and you look back to last season and our right back situation was dire and it centralizes absolutely everything about the way we play he anchors as a center back when he needs to he can push up in far more attacking way than i expected him to be he is solid He's got great feet. He can pass. He's he. This kid, he can do it all in a very understated way. And I think obviously yeah. the 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 other side of that is that Ben White gets pushed into the middle, and I think he's crucial to the way we play centrally with Gabriel. But you know, he gives he gives Saka a platform. He gives Erdegaard an option to run around a bit further. Like the team breathes. Yeah. And I I, I love holding. I, I I I do actually. And I think when you know you are down to 10 men it's backs against the wall holding is a uh, superb fine good squad player and he will defend one thing you can't do and I think we've learned is is help us build up an attack it's just not him he's just not that kind of player I think he was what player of the championship or player for Bolton when he was like 19 and I think that's not I'm not saying that's his level but you know playing in a backs up the, against the wall kind of team is, is his thing so playing, you know, trying to unlock a defence against Burnley at home is not going to be, you know, the most difficult... It is not really his job, and with Tommy out, I just think it gives less of a platform to the individuals in front. So, um, yeah, is there, is there anything else you want to say about the game in particular? Have you got anything? I mean, if I was to say Ramsdale to you, I don't know if you have any... Any thoughts on, on Aaron Ramsdale's performance?
0: Yeah, he looks shaky, but I think people are, are, are reacting a bit with him. I think it's just, maybe he just needed, like I said, with a lot of players and um, we, we've discussed, maybe he just needed some time off to sort of recharge and, and such. And I think a lot of his issues are not really, like... Technical issues like with him and like we'll Mm. we'll push him down as a player. I think they're more issues just about that he will learn with more game time and learning himself in uh, as a keeper. Remember, he's only 23 still. It's more like sort of like yes, you don't don't need to rush out at corner kicks all the time. You you Mm. you don't have to do that. So uh, like that that sort of. inventiveness and, and and sort of decisiveness is not really needed and he just needed to be a bit um a bit hmm. a bit more level headed and a bit more mature about it but again that, that will come with more game time for Arsenal when and I'm sure that that will happen uh, Some keepers do go through Dodgy patches and he's going Through his and he hasn't well, Touch wood, not made a, a clangor yet So a clangor mistake hmm. So hopefully it goes okay I guess the, the only that- other, Go on, sorry no, go on, go on. What are you going to say? I, I guess <laughs> I was going to mention like the only other bit from the game that I was going to mention was the mm. that Ashley Westwood probably should have been sent off. I know it probably wouldn't have made a difference because in terms of how uh, Burnley play, if they go down to ten men, they would still play the same way. And mm. yes, it would have been one man down, but I'm sure they would have packed the midfield still, and it was still been difficult. But yeah, he should have been sent off.
1: Uh, the refereeing quality in the league is not good enough Um, we all know that I I can't bother to speak even more about it but uh, they yeah it was for me it's as clear as night and day I I don't understand how VAR haven't intervened If, if it wasn't just that challenge then what do you want to give him for the elbow and the head that was as you know the same as other challenges we've seen for Gabriel get sent off for? it's like you know, how many do you need? And um, I, I don't. I can't reason with it. I don't know if it's perception. I think if, if you're going to have an example of how teams are refereed, I think it's very, very easy to give Arsenal a red card because of uh, players like David Louise, players like Jacko, who have been made up our very recent history. Um, and I think perhaps Burnley are the opposite of that. I think Burnley are kind of known for being boisterous. And it's like, well... Oh yeah, of course they do that. It's Burnley, and they're the plucky yeah. underdogs. And I, I look, and that plays into psychology. There's no, there's no conspiracy there. Like we're obviously not, <laughs> we're not being unfavored, and no other team is being favored consciously. Like I don't think that, obviously, but um, it's just it's just annoying. And I, I don't think that's at all why we drop points today. So it's like, do you remember? But if we look back at the red card incidents that should have been red cards um, or penalties or whatever you want to call them. So the Tomiyasu stamp on his head, yeah. right, clear red. The Manchester United one where he pulled him down in the box could have been a penalty very easily. Yeah. Uh, the Bakayo Saka kick in the back of the leg against Palace. I mean, um, that, that's a disgrace, that's, yeah. It is absolutely diabolical. But, yeah. but like, it, we, we dropped points in all of those games and you didn't hear us complaining, like... It was brought up like the way we're bringing up this, but yeah. none of us were complaining about those red cards because we were all we we know. The real focus was how dire, like it didn't affect the game. We, I'm sure it did or could have done, but like we were all looking at those games thinking we were crap. Like we didn't. Mm. Like it doesn't matter. Like it didn't. There was so much, so many. There's no miscarriage of justice there, right? Whereas the the Man City one getting a red card in that manner was gut wrenching. Yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't consistent with the decisions that were going uh, for uh, with, for Man City, um, there were a number of different um, fouls that Rodri was doing that Gabriel was doing. It was Gabriel's first foul and he got a yellow, second yellow that was both were unbelievably light. Uh, you know, I don't want to go into that again. But the point is, that we felt robbed because we performed well enough for, to not deserve it. You know, yeah. and and this is like another one of those. It's like, well, yeah, it could have been red, but did it affect the performance? And did we deserve it? Not really. So, you know, it's it's just not one of those that we can really carry on and, and make a thing about. We all know the refereeing is not good enough in the league. That's not just for Arsenal; that's for everyone. So, yeah. Um. The yeah, the, the, only, the only thing I also, I'd, I'd just say before getting to man of the match is that I am a bit worried, and I don't want this to sound all doom and gloom, but about the crowd. Um. So I was at the. Because crowd have been something that have been exceptional all season, away, home. I have not seen the Emirates like it. I've not seen yeah. um, the crowd like it. And I was there against Liverpool, and it was there was a real buzz, like it was proper. This is uh, this is war kind of situation, and um, we had a really good first fifteen, and then you know as the game goes on, Trent pops up in midfield, absolutely wonderful ball out, first time touch to Jota, he megs Tomiyasu slots it past three defenders into the goal, fine, yeah. it happens that is world class play, I can't remember who's touched it, might have been Fabinho's in the middle of the park, brilliant like, uh, I'm not going to say undefendable but that is like, pff, you've conceded if you're going to concede against Liverpool concede with that goal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and then yeah, the crowd just like died, mate, to be honest. Like, it really just... You could have heard a pin drop, mate. It was like, oh, crap. Like, it was just... The energy was sucked out of it. And from what... It did feel a bit like that towards the end. There were moments in the second half of Liverpool where it felt better. But it... I think it, it started to feel the same against... Um, it did start to feel the same against Brighton and Burnley. And I wasn't there, but it did feel in the, in the, on the TV that it was that way. And particularly when there were boos at the end of the game. But I'm not sure who that was directed at. So... Um, did that come across to you? Well, I,
0: I was also at the Liverpool game and I thought the atmosphere mm. was uh, what was very, very good at the start. But then when Liverpool scored, it, it sort of brought more of the anxiety and less, less lot of singing. Mm. The, the Burnley game, I'm not too worried about the crowd because uh, I think Arsenal fans will come out when the team is like when the team needs them, and they've shown that this season, and mm. I think, but also it, it sort of has to match, the the performance has to match those uh, the crowds as well, and I think yeah. it's it, it's sort of like a balancing act sort of thing. It's just like yes, the crowd needs to be behind the team, but also the mm. performance has to dictate that. That um, back in as well, and I just don't think it was that sort of booing at the end. Like I mean, the the fans were just. I don't think it was directed at anyone in in particular. Yeah, it, it was just it was just a disappointment at the the month and the game really, and how we we could have won it and we didn't. So I, I'm not too concerned about the booing or the crowd mm-hmm. in, in general because I just think like when when we face manchester united at home for example mm. that crowd that crowd's going to be really up for it and really back in the team once the, it goes a bit more deeper into the season and hopefully we're still in that top 4 race and we're we're nearing the end of it and maybe we can get that top 4 mm. then the crowd will be behind them and really pushing them to get to that last bit and such, it's obviously disappointing that we're not going to win a trophy this season, and and that's um, that would be when the crowd really, really, really heats up. But um, but the crowd, I I still think it, it's the best atmosphere I've been at Arsenal. I've been at Arsenal games before COVID, and um, they were not as good as atmospheres I've had some games this season. So um, yeah. Mm. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not overly worried about it, but it did it did just, you know, pick a thought in my head. And I did think, um, is that something? Look, we've had this is probably the best season of fandom I've actually seen Arsenal. So I um, yeah, you know, agree. A, a a Burnley game and a loss against Liverpool isn't gonna, you know, change my thoughts of that. So let's see how it goes. Um Alright, man of the match. Here you going for man of the match. Let's do these quick fire. Um, Martin Odegaard, I
0: thought he was he was very good on the day. He was very consistent mm. on the match. It, it, I know Emil Smith Rowe was a bit more the eye catching player, but Martin Odegaard was the one that ran sort of the
1: show in midfield. Mm. Yeah, and no, I think that's fair. I mean, I would, I would say Emil Smith Rowe for me, just because I'm so happy for him. I think he needed it, but also shout out to Sambi. I know that he probably took a while to warm into the game but like he's being asked to do something he's 21 this kid is a special kid Lacongo I think has got a huge future at the club um, he's being asked to be a single pivot basically in a yeah. team um, that is pushing for top four and in the Premier League and I think this guy's got a massive massive future so big shout out to him uh, Dick of the Day you got a Dick of the Day? Um, Well, my dick of the day Is not
0: related to the game um, Because 0-0 against Burnley Is not obviously the most Mm. inspiring game Mine's um, related to the transfer market And one player in in particular um, Dusan Vlaovic You are my dick of the day Because you've strung Mm. us around all month To only go and sign for Juventus When um, that expectation Was basically We expected it to happen anyway But you gave us a little bit of hope And giving anyone hope is is bad in my book for the, you to
1: then instantly take it away so um, do Sam Vlaovic you are my dick of the day Oh, mate, it's, it, that was exactly the same as mine, except mine was Dick of the Day was just Juventus. Just <laughs> Juventus, just, and just do one. I'm sick of it. They've ruined Ramsey's career, they're yeah. taking away Vlahovic from us, uh, and you know what, they've not done anything for us since Thierry Henry, so screw him, mate. You, um, uh, well,
0: I, uh-huh. I, I, I actually tweeted, do you, do you know to come dine with me, um, you, you won Jane um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I tweeted it. It was like, you won, Juventus. You, you, you can have bitch <laughs> and um, dear lord, that. what a sad little life, Juventus. So, uh, <laughs> so um, oh, yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah. Thanks, Juventus. Mate, they Schumer do have the then. grace
1: and decorum of a reversing. dump truck. truck. Yeah, they do. They, they do. do. They do. Oh. God, I hate those guys. Okay, well, look, all we can do is hope that they don't get in the Champions League now. Um, that's all we can hope for. And we can laugh because when we get in the Champions League and they don't, they'll be very sad. So, uh, sh- should we do some questions? Let's do them. Okay. So, there's a couple of good ones uh, that I've managed to pick out. And then there's there's loads about the transfer... Window. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. So, Charlie Rugg7 says, Shall I get Emil Smith Rowe or Erdogan on the back of my home shirt? I can't decide. It's a hell of a question, that. Um, um, I, I have Mill Smith Rowe on the back of mine, you've my got home Smith-Rowe, shirt. that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. But I, I, there is something about Erdogan that's special, uh, particularly when he's going to team. I, I think just the Hellend factor. Yeah, you yeah, know, I, I think that is just yeah.
0: Well, I have both of them, so I'm a bit biased on this. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> which, I, I, which I, I have. Which ones have you got? I, I have Odegaard on my third shirt, and I have Smithrow on the back of my home shirt. So you got Saka. Um, I got Saka last year, so I've um, I sort of went against it this year. Um, Did you? what number
1: seventy
0: seven? No, number seven last year. He it was his first year oh, yeah, as number seven. seven so um mm. I got it last year. Okay. So um yeah, so unless Saka does really, really well in the next like twelve yep. months, I probably won't get another shirt with him. But yeah, my, my, my thing would be I guess Smith Rowe is such an iconic number, number ten, and he's been really good this season, so that's who I would recommend. But um Odegaard may be next season shirt, so get both mm. if you can. So that's that's my advice. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's fair. I mean, to be fair, they do have enough kit releases for me to do that. Like, mate. why not? I'm just get the whole squad. Exactly. Apart from, uh, who would I not get? Anyway, let's do that another time. Um, okay. Um, there's a good question here because it actually hasn't, this hasn't occurred to me yet. So this comes from Rory Didi, who, uh who is a good friend of mine. Uh, here we go. So, given that every man and his dog... Knows how hard the January transfer market is. Does it show that Edu is out of his depth, thinking that we could loan out players as he made Niles, and easily bring in players in positions that we need, like Arthur or Vlahovic? So, what what are your thoughts on our January transfer market and what that really means for someone like Edu? Um, So, in terms of the January transfer market, we have
0: what. We're recording this on the 25th of January It's mm. about 9pm In the evening in the UK So there's still 6 days of the transfer window j- Just mm. over 6 days Of the transfer window to go uh, uh, The reason why people are pissed Is because um, There's no signings, And obviously we need signings. We need a midfielder, we need a striker um, mm. January is a very difficult Place to get players Especially ones that First team ones I mean You think of the players We've signed in January I know we signed Aubameyang I know we signed Arshavin But they're either Mm. Players that we were Going to sign in The summer Like a Reyes Or they were Signings that We had to make very quickly, and 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 we just got on the we got a deal done very quickly, like Montreal, like Odegaard on loan, like Dennis Suarez, Kim Kalström, like all these players that like we we just needed to fill gap. We done it quickly. Yeah. And uh, so January is a very difficult window. I, I know people will be screaming about Vlaovic but that, that's just a transfer that that just went away from us and sometimes that can happen and uh, yes you can blame edu because obviously it's his job to to bring those players in but also you 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 can probably blame the agent of the player as well because if the agent of the player is is negotiating more for a move to go to a different club and he's not really bothered about you then what can we do? It's not like we can tie him up Mm. and bring him bring him to the Emirates like he didn't want to join. That's life, that's football, like that can happen. So um Mm. the R for one is a bit more worrying because that's a loan but again, that's out of our control. Juventus didn't want to let him go because of the because they wanted a replacement. I dunno why they needed a replacement for him. They could have just used Aaron Ramsey, but you know, um yeah, like um <laughs> they I mean I know they're trying to ship Ramsey off as well, so but they wanted a yeah. replacement in and I guess that that makes the the Maitland Niles loan out more baffling because we didn't get a replacement in but um No. But yeah, it it's difficult and I I find it quite I I guess this is the first transfer window where I've sort of felt like that people are really overreacting because I feel like people just forgot how well we did in the summer. And I know that's in the summer, that's in the past. You're only judged in your current transfer window, basically. But like, I I just saw a tweet saying like Eddie should be sacked, and it's just like, like it's just like, I, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not. I'm not backing it Like I'm not justifying Our transfer window If we end up with no signings If we end up with just one keeper or, uh, mm. Like a keeper signing It's a poor window No doubt about it But uh, I just think people Go Go to 0 to 100 Very quickly
1: Yeah and I, the, the, There's actually a couple of questions here From Rory That actually underpin Quite I think Really well The value of what um, Has been happening In the transfer window So the other one is you know, conversely, is even though fans want Isaac more than DCL, does the fact that Arteta loves DCL mean we should take him more seriously given how, you know, players like White, Tomiesa and Ramsdale have done so well? So this yes, follows up by saying F Flaavic. But I think the point is there, we took his first question and his second question is that there's kind of three pillars to this transfer window and, and what's happening and how we feel about it. So there's the, the, the credit, I think, that is in the bank for Edu and Arteta yeah, I think Arteta is his talent ID, and and I, I think we have to assume, and then the same as as, our, as Edu in a sense is it's clearly very good. Um, the the white Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, whom um, This is serious stuff. Um, I think there was a bit of a revolution post. Um, like I'm not sure he really wanted Pablo Pabonari and Cedric. I think that was part of under his wing, but again, we still had the the ghost of. Um, Sanjay and, and various people around that were making these things happen, and agents, Kia, what's his chops, and like, I think since then it's been pretty flawless. You know, we stopped listening to goalkeeper coaches, we stopped listening to um, <laughs> agents, and we've gone right. These are the players we want. This is the data we're listening to. And let's get it. So that's their credit in the bank. But then the next two pillars really are kind of the the inexperience that these people are going to make mistakes. So they are ultimately still quite inexperienced managers, and I hope they're getting experienced, informed decisions around them with things like Mm. data, which they are, but also the the fact that they're learning, right? So this is a January transfer window where not much is happening, right? So if we look at everybody else, Newcastle have made some signings, but that's because they've got an injection of cash, they've got a new manager. You look at um, who else has made signings, there is someone else who has a new manager That this, this is really going to annoy me. Everton. Have they made signings? No, they've got rid of players. Who's. There's <laughs> Who so, is the other team? There is one other team that is making signings. And the only reason is basically they've got a new manager. And I can't for the life of me. So you've got Villa. Villa. Uh, that's it. Yeah, they've got Gerard. Yeah. They've got the Gerard factor. Yeah. So they're drawing in players, right? So they're really the only two teams in the league. Obviously, they've made some good signings with Coutinho and Dina. I think Dini is one of the best backs in the league. So, all this considered, really, like I think there is a lot of trust in Arteta, and I think to be honest, had we not had the transfer window we did last season, heads would be rolling in terms of the Twitter sphere, right? I think all things considered, the fact that we've got a very clear issue at, in midfield and a very very clear issue up front, the fact that we've tried for Vlahovic for so long. And failed and the fact that we've done nothing in the field and the fact that we've loaned out Ainsley, mate and Niles has actually gone a little bit under the radar in the Twitter sphere sense you know they've got enough credit in the bank to to get away with it for, for want of a better word and look, we've got a week left and I think we've give we've got they've got time to do it people are calling for transfers sure yeah. but um you know is it going to happen maybe I think it's very obvious to Arsenal where they want to sign it's just how they do it. I don't know about you, but I would much rather... uh, Let's say we do nothing in the transfer window. I'd rather do nothing in this transfer window, wait until January to get the people we really want, than just try something, a second-rate person that's third or fourth on our list, to try and patch things up, give them a big contract for the end of the year. If we could get, like... um, uh, we could get our... Like a, a a DCL or a Isaac maybe up front, great. But our midfield issue for, is kind of going away as of next week. Yeah, we've got Zaka, Sambi, Party, pretty much as our three that we can swap in and out, right? And then we've got the three in front of them: Saka, Martinelli, and Mill Smith. Rowe and Odegaard as those four that can interchange between the three positions. And then you've got Lacazette and Edin Keta up top. Lacazette and Edin Keta scares the hell out of me. I think the alternative is convincing. A to come back. Yeah, and I think that's us for the season, right? That's not awful. What would be awful is if none of those things could happen. Um, you know, or if we tried to get somebody. So, so that brings me on to another question. Uh, well, sorry, is there anything else to add to that? I don't know if you had any thoughts. Um, I mean, it's
0: such a it, because I wanted to ask you actually, I don't know if you have got a question about this. So, obviously, mm. we 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 need. The star striker We need the striker that's going to take us to the next level But also, mm. something I never considered And I heard a thought about it recently Was that we're probably going to need Two strikers as well So, would it would it be wise For example, to recruit That sort of second choice Striker that we need something, mm. Someone closer to more the Lacazette Level than the the dream striker that we all want so so like
1: the Eddie replacement basically
0: yeah well well it's more the Lacazette replacement because the Eddie replacement the Eddie replacement to me is going to be Balogun so, mm. that, 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 that's going to be the Eddie replacement to me. So, more the Lacazette replacement, and then you, you get the, the Aubameyang replacement, the star striker um, in mm. the summer. That, like, especially if that striker comes in and starts firing, like, and at least it gives us better options than just having Inketia and Lacazette. Like, that's really, really... Small and you're basically relying on Lacazette to play every single game and every single
1: minute of the season, and I just don't think he has the legs for that. Yeah, that's that's I hadn't really thought of it that way. So it's really making sure that we've got that second striker and then waiting for the person that wanted it. So that's a really good way of thinking of it, to be fair. And if that's a loan or whatever it may be, then then so be it. What, what do you think of? um So, money B. Nine five two says, "Would you take Jovic on loan?" It's the Real Madrid striker that was prolific for Frankfurt. I'm not sure he's had the best season, but so I would take him on loan. I think there's a bit of an attitude
0: problem with Jovic that Is I there? think, okay. yeah, I think he done some partying during COVID, um, which was not very well well received, and then I think he got okay. COVID nineteen, so he he wasn't. Um, the the best he he broke COVID rules by attending his girlfriend's birthday in March 2020. Ah,
1: he's young. Yeah, he's he's young. So, Uh. um,
0: and he was he was in confinement, house confinement, um, after a friend visited, um, when uh, they tested positive. So, uh, I will take him on loan. I think he's a decent striker. If again, if it's to just tie us over to to the to the summer, try and get Mm. us top four. And then we can get that star striker and really go for, because we're really, ideally we're going to need two big signings and then the rest, the sort of like smaller midland signings. So mm. yeah, so the summer, um, yeah, so I'll take Yovitch. What about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he would be a great signing. I think he struggled for Madrid, but. Um, I think that it's, we've got a style of play that would suit him from what I've read and I know he was prolific for, for Frankfurt so I don't see why he couldn't be better or at least another option to to Lacazette which I think is what we need right now so I certainly wouldn't mind that at all and I think it could be well a good option I just don't see Calvert-Lewin or Isaac necessarily being options this window um, so let's see there's a lot to be done and so what do you think about a couple of questions then let's do a couple more if we go big for a midfielder for the Prem this window, then, who would you pick? From, so the, from, Neves, from the Premier League, did, did From they the say? Prem. Okay. So he says Neves, Louise, or Telemans, Telemans, I should say. So this is CK3 <sighs> who asked this question. So I
0: really like Yuri Telemans. He would probably be my top choice, even mm. if defensively he's not good. I just think in terms of how he is on the ball and, and in terms of how he is creatively and technically I just think he's a terrific player Neves would be good as well it would basically be increasing our depth in terms of that sort of game, uh, play style I think he's a really interesting player and he doesn't and I think he, if he would come in he would be a really good partner for Thomas Party. And uh, yeah. Eddie would fit him quite well. Douglas Louise as well is someone that I, I like. All three all three of those players are good. Uh, I yeah. I think. Uh, Neves we were obviously heavily linked with in the, in the last summer and maybe we we go for him again this summer and he always seemed what what I actually found interesting he's only 24 Ruben Neves. Yeah. So yeah so he's been around forever but um but yeah he's only 24 so I think there is something there and I think Douglas Louise I like as well, but I think maybe he's a bit lower than than Ruben Neves on my list. Mm -hmm. And Tielemans, I think, might have a bit more of an attractive offer. So if I could, it would be Neves because I think that's the more Mm -hmm. realistic. I think Tielemans might have Manchester City or Liverpool after him um, as a Mm. really good squad option because he's basically going to be leaving for free.
1: Yeah, I I think. Look, I I don't think Aston Villa are selling anytime soon. They've got serious business to do, and I'm a a little bit worried about their big campaign. They've got a lot to do, and I think they've got a very good manager and they've got a lot of cash to do something. So there's a lot of teams in the Prem now that are doing stuff. I think Neves would be a good option. TLMNs would be the dream, Um, even if he did give away a goal against Spurs to lose 3 2 the other day, which we will not speak about anymore. Um, Okay, so. Let's do two more questions. So, let's do one from Tanya Fozard, uh, who I believe is at Liverpool game this week. Uh, what would be the worst signing possible this window? <laughs> the worst signing possible. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Probably Adebayor
0: after his comments. <laughs> No, no, I got, I got one
1: better. We, are, we do need a striker. We do need a striker.
0: I, I, I got one. Cristiano Ronaldo. There you go. He'll just disrupt oh, us okay. as, as much as he did with Manchester United, uh, and get Arteta the sack like he did with Oli. So, um,
1: yeah, yeah. I, so it's either Adebayo or Ronaldo. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say. Uh, is is
0: one <laughs> You're still playing?
1: Like I thought yeah, you would have Yeah, mate. Right. I looked it up. I looked uh, it up. So he's. He's 37 And he's playing uh, Let's have a look I think he's playing he's, He didn't he play like twice For this team But he um, He plays for It's like some random team Is he not? I'm on his I wiki
0: th-
1: I'm, it's I'm, like not, load obviously I'm not the am internet.
0: Oh no He has retired
1: Yeah he retired oh, in 2020. Yeah. yeah he retired oh, in 2020, 2020. Yeah okay.
0: so Okay uh, Yes uh, no
1: he did For Olympia was his last team Was there a team based in Is that Croatia or The 8th The 8th league of uh, Latin America so where's Paraguay? Is that Paraguay? Paraguay yeah. The 8th tier of Paraguayan football There you go You heard it here first You don't Not Every day's a school day on this mate <laughs> Yeah, um, Exactly Go on, then. Let's do one more. Uh, who, Jasper VDK says, who is the most underrated Arsenal player ever? Ever? Wow. Ever? Ooh, ever. Oh, ever. That thought... is a whole new podcast in itself. Ever? Oh. Well, you got <sighs> God, I don't need time for this. I mean, I think Lauren had more of a part to play in the Invincibles <laughs> than he gets credit for because he was an anchor, he played a yeah. Tomiyasu role in an unbelievable team. And yep. often gets forgotten. I think he was class. I think Basseri Sanya.
0: Yeah. um Sanya's was great. Good, I'm just thinking. Uh, I've mm. got Monreal. I thought he was very Mon good Ray for Arsenal. I thought yeah, he was very yeah, good yeah. for Arsenal. He was very underrated. Um, um,
1: oh, I think Alex Song. N- see, Alex he Song, for me, he,
0: he had one good season. And mm. then I think most of the time he was pretty... Lacklust, though, wasn't bad, but he just wasn't amazing. Mm. Um, uh, I think t- nice. uh, do, do do you know who who I actually think is underrated and uh, who got slaughtered a lot of the time while he was at Arsenal and. Um, but if you say he...
1: Javino, I'm going to put, no, no, a, gonna no, put no, a squirrel no, in your mouth, mate. No no, no, no. No way, I'm not saying Javino. No, <laughs> okay, um, good,
0: good. Um, I was actually going to say. Santos. No, 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 <laughs> no. You're just saying we're bad players now. So. <laughs> I'm just
1: scared of what you're going to say. Go no, um,
0: it, it's not actually a bad player. It's one that's a legend and he's still at the club. It's, it's Per Matasaka I thought, oh, he, yeah. yeah, like someone who like he was a really good defender, and I just think people didn't didn't rate him as highly because of his pace or lack of pace and mm-hmm. I fall. He was very important for us, and he diminished in, the, in his final few years when he got a bit older, but I thought he was really, really, really good, a really good player, and there, there was nothing mm. that really... Like, I remember the, um, what was it, the Mertesacker final, the FA Cup in 2017. Mm. Oh, yeah. He was absolutely incredible, and he's just someone who I thought... Everyone loved kashelny right? But mm-hmm. Koscielny wouldn't have been as good as he was if he didn't have Saka beside him. And that's the, like, Saka I think, was the more underrated one out of the two. So, um, so yeah, he. I think he would be my choice. Because, like, obviously, I think people always say, like, um, Gilberto. But, like, I think yeah. Gilberto's so... Like, everyone loves Gilberto. No, he was, nah, really
1: was clear. Everyone knows yeah. that, I think. He was just yeah. a slightly different player. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. And, um, you know, centre-backs are about pairings, and I think Venka got that one nailed on. Yeah. Um, and that 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 season in particular was well, about three seasons where they were just formidable together, where yeah. they could get the fit. And um, I, I, I see that now forming between dare I say it, the, the back four we've got and I think yeah. the balance is the first time I've seen balance in our squad since that season um, from a back four perspective it just seems to make sense and I hope that White and Gabriel can go on to, to, to continue that So, so look, let's Let's leave it there. We've done our we've done our questions and we've sort of gone through in fine detail. So I think next time we'll we'll, we'll see if we can dive into January a bit more uh, and what it means. Um, I'm just I'm, go I'm
0: just going to add one one more underrated player yes. because he 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 started yes. um, he started me now um, Theo Walcott. I'm going to give oh, another yeah. a, another shout as well. People disrespect a club him. Man. Yeah. Oh. A, a, a pop, people really disrespect Theo, and I absolutely adore him as a player. And people disrespect him. This was a guy who scored over 100 goals for Arsenal. And mm. he, And I, I hear people saying, like, oh, um, like other c- rival clubs fans saying, oh, well, he's just going to turn out to be another Theo Walker. If, if any player turns out to be like Theo Walcott, they would. <laughs> had Mate. a very good career, and like to score hundred goals for a, a club like ah. Arsenal is, is really good. And again, he had his limitations, like Murata did, but like for for what he did for us, and I think we just ne- we haven't had a goal scoring wide player like him since he left. So
1: he's another shout as well. Couldn- couldn't agree more. And I think something about Walcott that was so great, particularly for like four seasons, maybe one more. Like he was. Um, he started to become a real goal threat from wide. I think we tried it yeah. through the middle and it worked for a bit, didn't work at points. But as soon as he didn't play, oh my god, you knew what you were missing. Yeah. You couldn't stretch any bit. Like he, he could have a man of the match performance without touching the ball, and I'm exaggerating there, but like his runs would drag away defenders, they would allow space for everybody else, for the creative players to do their thing. Once he got the ball, he would progress through the pitch, he could pass it, he could you know, he could, uh, or at least cross it. I say when he gets to the end of the byline, but and, and he could score. Like he, he had everything that I think we would, you know, you would want in a wide player. You know, he had his limitations mm. that we all know. But you know, great player, great player, great player. Yeah, nice. Well, on a Theo Walcott note, let's leave it there. Thanks so much for joining me, mate. And yeah, che- uh, we'll cheers see- for having me. Hmm. Thank you. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's do this again very soon. Um, thanks so much. And we, uh, yeah, join in next week and have a good one. I think we're going to claim a couple of weeks. So next week, or the well, two weeks' time, it'll be Wolves. Enjoy. See you soon.